I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys, welcome. So today I have two main topics. And of course, I'll sure to go off on some tangents within those. The second topic will be how to de-escalate situations. And this is between adults, not with your child, but with other adults in your life. And I think the rules will probably still apply to kids as well. And the first topic, which we'll jump right into, is a question situation that's been coming up with both private clients, comments on Instagram, and questions from patrons. So I feel like it really needs to be addressed. And the question has to do, it's sort of twofold. Your child is giving up their nap or showing signs of giving up their nap. And a lot of kids, when they give up their nap, it doesn't look like a whole a whole thing. You know, it looks like one day they don't sleep, the next day they do. But when your child starts to give up their nap, they absolutely have to go to bed earlier. And so that's been a question because there's been a parental disagreement and parents are not on the same page. Largely speaking, in my experience, it's been coming from dad's think the child doesn't need as much sleep. Moms do. I will say this, though, throughout all the years of doing this work, it tends to be the parent who works outside the home if you have a situation where one parent stays home with the child. So let's talk about that. And then there's another thing that comes under it. So a few people have asked me, you know, something along the lines of, well, they think that they don't really need a strict bedtime or, you know, my husband thinks that they should be able to do fun things and stay up late. Or, you know, my wife thinks that if we have this like super strict bedtime, the kids will grow up to be inflexible. And so there's this variation. And I actually talk about this exact situation in Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler in the values chapter. So if you don't have the book and you are struggling with this It's worth it just for this chapter because this isn't just about sleep. This is about a clash of parental values. And I'll I'll say more about that. But number one, it is well-documented that children need more sleep than they are currently getting in our society. I talk about it constantly, so I'm definitely repeating myself, but it's worth repeating. Sleep is like the number one nutrient. Sleep deprivation is used as torture, you guys. It makes you go crazy. So when you put an already kind of psychotic three-year-old, 
on less sleep, you are adding fuel to a massive fire. It's a nutrient. It's it's one of the most important nutrients. So you wouldn't say like, ah, screw it. They don't need to eat. They don't need to eat dinner. Come on, let's 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 go. Let's go have some fun. You wouldn't say, ah, whatever. They can have shit food every day. It doesn't really matter. You wouldn't do that. Occasionally you might, but you're not going to do that every day, right? Sleep is a nutrient. And it's like the number one thing we throw under the bus with kids, with adults. (laughs) I see it all the time, right? It's like that sleep till you're, you know, you can sleep when you're dead thing that we had in college. People take that way too seriously. So that is the first and foremost. Children need sleep. So they need different amounts at various ages, but at three, they still probably need close to 14 hours. So if they're ditching a nap, you can't have them go to bed at eight o'clock. Like that's not going to be enough sleep for them. So, and it's okay to be flexible. In fact, with my own son, I called it EBT and it would be early bedtime. So on those days that he started letting the nap go, I'd say, okay, early bedtime tonight, EBT, no big deal. Like you can be flexible within that, right? So it doesn't have to be every night because very, I have very few kids give up their nap all in one fell swoop. So that's the first part. Now, the second part, as I said, was a values clash. And this is what happens. So I'll run through the basics of this chapter, but again, it's like a whole exercise that you have to do. So I really encourage you to revisit that chapter. What happens is we all have internal value systems, right? And so it guides us a lot of times unconsciously, especially before we have kids. And what happens is, you know, you're attracted to your mate for whatever reason. And a lot of times, it's a known fact in psychology that we're we're often attracted to an opposite. We're often attracted to somebody who doesn't have the traits we have because they complement and they sort of fill us out as far as social skills. So if you're an introvert, very often introverts get together with extroverts. You know, super type A people tend to attract really chill people. So it balances out, right? And how many times do you hear that? Like, oh my God, he he balances out my crazy. Or if it weren't for my wife, I would probably just never get off the couch. You know, her get up and go gets me. So that's sort of a, a psychology given, right? And what happens is we're attracted to our mate. We start dating, you know, and then, you know, you might start making plans for the future. Maybe you get a surprise proposal or maybe you plan it, but then you have a wedding and the wedding takes all the time and energy and planning and all of that. And then you get pregnant and boom, you know, and you might've sat and talked to your mate about like all the things that we talk about over long leisurely dinners and glasses of wine, right? Which is like, oh, we're not going to be the parents who put stickers on the car window or yes, we're not going to be, you know, parents who spank or we're not going to be the parents. Our kids are going to go to fine dining restaurants, right? Like, (laughs) remember those fun conversations before you actually had kids? So we do those conversations, right? We have those conversations. We don't really dive into our huge personal values. We don't. And in that chapter, I have a whole list of them. There's there's hundreds of them. And we don't figure that stuff out. Like who sits and talks, even when you're pregnant, you guys, you don't have the knowledge yet, right? Like you don't sit there and talk about like, so what are you going to do when it's 8 p.m. and the kid hasn't pooped on the potty yet and is throwing a massive tantrum? Like, what do we do then? You, right? you guys don't, you can't think of all these scenarios that are actual scenarios in parenting and that are going to require you guys to lean into your values. And a very common 
value clash in parents is one parent values routine and boundaries and really knowing how the day's going to go and fairly set in stone. And the other parent values creativity or super fun, super adventure. And that might've looked great when you guys were dating and your mate texted you and said, you know, there's a meteor shower. Come on, let's get on our paddle boards and go look at it. You know, what a fun adventure at 10 o'clock at night before you have kids. (laughs) But now you have kids and one parent wants to be all adventuresome and the other parent wants to be strict and have boundaries and routine. Normally what I do, you know, when I'm working with a family is we go through those values and we try to figure out how to meet in the middle. In this case, when your child is under six years old, there's almost always no fight about this. The boundaries and routine parent wins this one. It has to be that way. Now, can there be some adventures? Oh, for sure. Like maybe on the weekend when everybody can sleep in or when the parent who works outside the home can help when the child's a disaster the next day. Bear in mind that very few people want boundaries and routine in place. Like if that's your spouse and you're clashing with that, it's not because they want to be right. It's because it's what's best for the kid. And the adventuresome parent, just chill. Your time is coming. It's not zero to six, though. This is the age. Remember, this is the age of governing. Six to 12 is gardening. 12 to 18 is guide. You have your child's entire childhood to be the whimsical, adventuresome parent. And oh my God, your 10-year-old is going to love you for this. But your three-year-old is just going to be a fucking mess tomorrow. That's it. Plain and simple. And they're not going to appreciate the fun. Chances are they're going to get cranky past their bedtime, right? Because there's this this cycle to circadian rhythms. So your kid's going to be a little dick. Then you're going to be like, ah, it's time for bed. Then your, your kid's going to chill out and look like they're an angel. And you're going to be like, yeah, see, I knew they weren't tired, but that's going to repeat itself. So if you keep your three-year-old up too late, it ends up that they get on a wrong circadian rhythm. They have a hard time falling asleep. If you're night training, you're going to get a hot ton of pee accidents. It's like really a bad scene. And this is, again, this is well-documented, guys. This isn't me spouting, you know, cognitive functioning. You're actually doing your kid a brain disservice, an intellectual disservice by not giving them plenty of sleep. So in this case, that person, you know, the person who's, like strict and boundaried, they win this one. <laughs> and I hate to, you know, speak in terms of like, you know, fights and winning, but they're they're the right one. Now, I want to say a couple more things. So it came up with a family I was working with and the mom is the, works outside the home and the dad stays home with the kids. And, you know, I think by nature, women, moms are more into boundaries and routine and strict bedtimes and that kind of thing. So I've seen that in like when both parents work outside the home or when the mom works outside the home. And dads tend to be the more fun, fly by the seat of your pants, adventuresome. And that's a generalization, but I have found that to be the case. If you are in a situation where one parent stays home with the kids, whether that's dad or mom, the person who stays home with the kid gets the final say. And when I was working with this family, this mom was like, what? How does he get the final say? And I was like, because he deals with the fucking disaster tomorrow. He's the one who has to deal with it. So you have to capitulate to what he wants as far as routine and those kinds of things, bedtime, because 
he has to deal with the kids being a mess. And kids are a mess when they don't get enough sleep. The biggest problem is the parent who works outside the home doesn't get that much time with the kid. And that sucks. And I'm sorry for that. But you're not raising a kid for your feelings, okay? You're raising a kid to be a healthy, happy, well-adjusted adult, right? There's going to be time, plenty of time, again, in your in your child's childhood for staying up late and these kinds of things. There's, I have all kinds of strategies in the book for if that is the case. You know, one thing definitely is moving dinner up so that the person who comes home from work doesn't have to deal with dinner and that clusterfuck so that you can just get down on the floor, play with your kids for a couple of hours, and then it's bedtime. So that's a really good strategy. Also, can you have an awesome breakfast instead of when you get home from work? Can you do like super special things on the weekends, you know, and that's usually what the big thing is. So don't worry though, your child's still going to be bonded to you. But again, the parent, when we're not on the same parenting page with your spouse or your partner, you have to give in to the person who is going to be dealing with the child the next day. You just do because it's not fair that, you know, you get to go out on an adventure with the kid and then the kid's a disaster for the stay-at-home parent the next day. It's really not fair to do that, period, because the child is a disaster beyond their control. And so that's not fair to put them even in daycare where they're going to be cranky and a mess and, you know, their cognitive functioning is not going to be great. So so I hope that answers that question in that situation. Again, it is the values exercise in the book. It's way more complicated than I do in a podcast, but it's really important to get to the bottom of these because you'll find a lot of your clashes, their values. And the thing about values is that they are a part of us. So like, it's not just a parenting clash. It can feel like, well, you're attacking my very being. And we know, (laughs) we know how that's going on, like the political front, right? (laughs) And identity politics. And I had talked about identity parenting in a previous podcast. And that's the that happens even within the family unit. So it's really worth figuring out what your boundary, I mean, what your values are so that you guys can come to an understanding and say, oh, okay, you love adventure and that's cool, but we can't do it during the week. Maybe you can have a grand adventure with the kids once a month and keep them up late and that kind of thing. I do think it's worth it though. Like again, do it on the weekend where you can tag team if your kid's miserable. And I also think, For the parent who goes to work, sometimes there is that cognitive dissonance of like, oh, I'm at work. I don't see the disaster. (laughs) So so it's kind of good if you do something like that on the weekend where the child can, where you can kind of see the whole disaster. And that, you know, kind of leads into how to de-escalate situations. So I think the most used phrase in 2020 is we are in an unprecedented time (laughs) for so many reasons. And it's not just like the pandemic and all of that, but there is this crazy division. It's unreal to me how divided we all are as a society. And of course, the base of that is identity politics. But what's happened is it's turned us into like overly identifying with certain parts of ourselves and seeing certain parts of people and reducing people to like one thing, like you're this, you know, like again, and I talked about this in a previous episode, it's like, you know, if you cloth diaper and make your own baby food and then give your kid uh, soda, like it blows people's minds. Cause like, 
you were a hippie mom and now you're giving your kid junk food. You know, like we have this need right now or the, I, I don't know that it's a, I don't know that it's a psychological or human need, but it, it's this division that's being created is making us reduce everything down to very simple terms. And it's never simple. Everything is not black or white. It's almost never black or white. Even colors aren't, you know, I know black or white aren't actually colors, but, you know, you go into the paint store, there's thousands of white, right? (laughs) There's tons of nuance and gray in every situation. And so many people have been asking me, you know, like, how do I de-escalate political conversation in my family? How do I de-escalate with things online? I know that somebody... We said, wow, you're so good at de-escalating people on Facebook and your business page. And I was like, oh, thanks. That's cool. And it, it made me realize that there's ways to de-escalate. And there's like an actual like little system I go through when I'm trying to de-escalate a situation. And mostly this is, I'm talking about adults in your life. Some of, you know, a lot of this will apply to your kids without the subject matter, right? So there's actually two kinds of de-escalation. And I was thinking about it and I was like, the very first thing is, do you have to de-escalate the situation or can you walk away? Oh, by the way, escalating the situation really is never an option. So don't do that. <laughs> but there are choices. Do you have to stay in the ring or can you walk away? Because a lot of times on, if it's online, there's a walk away. There's a delete button, right? When you find yourself in a heated a situation that's escalating. And again, there's there's various circumstances, right? There's escalations with our spouses and our partners. There's escalations online about, again, your value system. You know, a lot of that has to do with politics and all the things that are going on in the world right now. But some of it has to do with like, oh my God, the escalations around child trafficking and what's real and what's not is driving me crazy. People are going crazy and getting a lot of fake statistics and a lot of fake news that are really escalating panic. So there's that kind of thing. There's escalation on when people maybe see a picture of you on Facebook without a mask and then assume, you know, you're going around coughing on everybody and you're like, I was at a campground with two other people. You know, there's all these weird escalation situations. So it doesn't matter what the escalation is. It doesn't matter who it's with. Remember, first of all, kindness. Like it just, I get out of bed in the morning now and I'm like, kindness. I'm going to be as kind as I can to every single person I meet. It doesn't matter what the other person is doing or saying. They are someone's child. They are someone's parent. They are someone's love. They are a human being. And that humanness we have got to remember. Again, I see people reducing just because somebody holds completely, even in my mind, wrong values, wrong viewpoints, they are still a human being, okay? And you are never, ever gonna deescalate any sort of situation without kindness. Now, the next thing, and these are all kind of really quick, like these happen really quick. The next thing is, I call it like, how did it go in? So depending on the situation, it's going to go in and it's going to, I hate this word because it's so, it's in and of itself, this word is such a controversial word, but it can like trigger a childhood wound, okay? And that's not like a snowflakey kind of thing. But if 
you have activated, yeah, let's use activated. I like that better. (laughs) If you activate a childhood wound, you are adding fuel to the fire. And so I'll give you an example because this is how I work it in my own like internal system. I have a thermometer that runs pretty much right through, it like parallels my spine and it's in the front of my body. It's just a visualization I have. And when I feel attacked or when I feel like the situation is escalating, the thermometer rises. Now, how fast it rises is my clue to whether a wound has been activated. So I get, I think I've even mentioned this in another podcast, but I get, you know, hate mail. I literally have gotten death threats about potty training. (laughs) And a lot of times, Even emails, like people will send me an email and they forget to say, hi, how are you? They come right out of the gates with like, you fucking forgot to write this scenario in your book. And now my kid, like, it's just, they come at me like really fast. So I feel attacked. When I feel attacked like that, it brings up, I've shared many times I had an abusive childhood and I even had a business partner at one point tell me, she was like, why can't you blow those off? And I was like, oh my God, I'm being attacked. And she was like, yeah, but they can't hit you through the computer. And I was like, right, right. So when somebody comes at me like that, I do, I fear the childhood wound is, oh my God, I'm going to get hit. And so that then makes me, and I feel that thermometer shoots up. I get super hot inside and I get a little shaky. I feel like, you know, that shakiness, like when you have one cup of coffee too much, I get like that. That is a key for me. Shut the computer down, go for a walk, de-escalate myself. Do not respond when I'm in that place. This happens to me online. It happens to me in person, but it also happens to me on my business page. Now in person, I can delete and I do, or I walk away. On my business page, I do not like to delete comments and I do like to address them head on, not to argue, but because I know when I follow somebody, especially for like parenting advice or potty training, something that like I'm putting my kids, the care of my child in their hands, I look to how that page responds. And that, so for it's a business decision for me, right? Like I feel like people are watching me to see how I respond and I can't just walk away and I will never delete. I don't delete comments. I would occasionally I've deleted a whole, a whole post because it's just gotten like, I don't want to babysit it all day. It's too much time and energy and it's wearing me out. So I will do that, but I won't delete specific comments. So that's a situation where, yes, I feel like I have to de-escalate the situation. So I'm in the ring. But I also know that if my thermometer system shot to blood red all the way to the top, do not reply yet. <laughs> so close the computer, go for a walk, de-escalate myself. Because if I'm escalated. That never helps the situation. Just like with our kids, I always say, and this is the next thing, bring down your vocal quality. So if your child's escalating and you vocally escalate with them, it becomes a pissing match of who can escalate faster. You know that. You know that with your spouse. If one of you yells and the other one yells back, it's going to just escalate. Yes. So vocal quality is the third thing. Bring it down. Bring it right down. Bring it right down to a whisper with your child. Bring it right down to a whisper with your spouse, right? You have to disrupt that vocal quality. Online, just no all capitals, you guys. The all caps thing is like, whoa, dude. 
So it's really funny, like online there's, and I, there was just an article about this in millennials, millennials and Gen Z punctuation has this whole other language. Like if you say, okay, with a period, totally passive aggressive, isn't that funny? But I have noticed that in escalating situations, you know, of course there's like the all caps with the lots of exclamation points. Yeah. But there's another kind of escalation where the person doesn't separate out into paragraphs. There's run on sentences and you can tell that they're just like, right. And so it's, um, they're escalating, they're escalating in a different way. So you do not want to match all caps with all caps. Again, we know all caps is yelling. So you want to bring your vocal quality down. The fourth thing, acknowledgement. Okay. And if you are in a situation, any situation that is escalating and you do not want to escalate it to, you are by default now the de-escalator. So that puts you in a position of having to be disarmed, so to speak. Right. And a lot of people have issue with that. Like, I love my mom to death, but she's pretty emotionally unaware and and pretty emotionally stunted at a young age. And like, for example, she's like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. I'm not going to acknowledge them. No, I'm going to win this. Like she, that's a sign of weakness for her to potentially try to disarm somebody with kindness to bring it down. That's a sign of weakness. So she's going to go right for the juggler every single time. So it's really tricky, right? Because she needs to like win. When you are in the position of disarming, you have to think of acknowledgement. What does this person need to hear right now? So in any given argument, any given escalation of words, uh, values, what does the other person need to hear? Because you need to say that. That's going to disarm them, right? And one of the things about this is also the kindness thing, right? When you disarm someone with kindness or bringing it down, it's unbelievable how fast you disarm the other person. One of my favorite tricks on the road when somebody's being a jerk and like, you know, like they're obviously being a road bully is I stick out my tongue. I don't give them the finger. I don't yell. I don't do the gesturing. I just stick out my tongue. Oh my God, you guys, it's hilarious. It's totally disarming. It's a little kid gesture. And it's like, nah, I don't like you very much right now, right? Which is so different from the fuck you, you fucker, right? And so just stick out my tongue. And people always then like, like gesture, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Or it's disarming. It's disarming with something they didn't expect, with a de-escalation. And so just, you know, it was just a side note that like that, it really does work. So acknowledgement, though, I find this is so helpful. And this, I think, is a particular skill set that I'm really good at. And I love it because I was talking to my friend, Jen, and I was saying, oh, my God, it comes out of a people pleaser. Like, I was a people pleaser. I would morph. Like, when I was younger, I didn't really have a sense of self in my teenage and early 20s. And so I would morph. I would be whatever you wanted me to be. And of course, that's a dysfunction. And it led me down some very dysfunctional paths. (laughs) But now as an adult, it's so funny that it really turned that into a skill. And without even realizing it, I am so good at figuring out what does the other person need or what would I need in this situation? And once you can acknowledge that, holy shit, it really does. Again, it deescalates, it disarms. Most often, all of us 
just want to be heard. We want to be heard. We want to be seen. We don't even need to be right. It's just that we need you to see us and understand. And I do think there's such, you know, in politics, I I just, I hate to run into any of the possible politics scenarios, but I can say it's so interesting to me. And I saw this in 2016 when Trump got elected. There were so many articles about this. And I have personal experience now that I have this like place in the woods and I'm in a rural area and I used to always live in cities. And part of the huge rift in this country is the city people think the rural people are just a bunch of Yahoo rednecks and the rural people have struggles that the city people will never understand. And so both just kind of want to be seen and be heard. And that's like a huge rift in this country. And it's so interesting being on both sides of it, having seen both sides of it and going, wow, each side just needs acknowledgement. It's kind of crazy. So try that. Like what? And this this happens all very quickly, you know, or maybe when you realize that this, whatever, however you're being attacked, however the situation is escalating, you're realizing like, whoa, this activated a childhood wound. I need to go for a walk. Give me five minutes if you're with somebody in person or just taking a break from the conversation. And then you can kind of go through and say, okay, what does this person need from me? Now, the one, two, three, four, fifth thing is there's got to be a bridge, right? You have to offer a bridge to the olive branch. This isn't actually the olive branch. And I call it a bridge because this is like what I do on my business social media or when I get an email, like in the interest of dialogue, or I'm really trying hard to understand. So can we bring it down a notch? I don't want to be yelled at because I'm really struggling to understand your viewpoint here, or I'm really struggling in this situation. So build the bridge so that the other person could say, okay, she doesn't want to fight with me. She wants to have a dialogue and now we can figure this out. So those are the things. And again, you have to look, (laughs) do you have to do this or can you walk away? Now, obviously online, you can walk away, right? But what helps to figure out, like say you're at a family event and there's like a whole big heated conversation. Can you just go out for a walk? So it's really helpful at this point to say, what do you need in this emotional transaction? What do you need? Okay. You might've figured out what the other person needs to hear from you, but what do you need? It's never being right. So you may think you, if your first answer is I need to be right, you're wrong. that's a very emotionally immature response. And so it may be your first response because we all have moments of emotional immaturity, but it's not the answer, yeah? And again, most often it's it's being heard, being seen, being understood, even if you're not in agreement, yeah? And then there's another layer. Do you love this person? Do you care about this person? If in a political sense, if a person, if you never knew their political leanings, You know, would you guys still be friends? Do you have an investment in the relationship or do you just want to obliterate the relationship? And you, you can, you can do that. I know so many people who are just so heated about President Trump and they are just burning all the bridges because he represents, you know, hatred. He represents stirring the pot or whatever they think. And so 
they, they're ending everything. And you have that right, but then don't escalate situations. Don't try to make the other person, you know, hear you or see you. That's a walk away situation. And, and I understand all sides of the fences here. So it's, uh, I'm not saying any one way is better. If you feel like you need to end the friendship and the relationship, that's totally cool. Then you don't have to deescalate the situation, right? That's the big thing. And of course, online, it's easier to walk away. I, there's something that happened in the last few weeks that just, it heated everybody up one more level. I don't fight online on my personal page ever, 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 ever. I'm not a shit stirrer. Like I deescalate my business page because again, a lot of people are watching it. Personal life, I'm a good deescalator, but I don't feel the need to jump into anything online. And last two weeks ago, oh my God, I found myself embroiled in like these huge fights. And I was like, how are my words getting so twisted that somebody's coming at me? And it was, it was like people were twisting words and it wasn't just mine. It wasn't like just an attack on me. It was like conversationally. And I was like, wow, people are just really, there's no nuance anymore to conversations. There's no grace. And it was so interesting. And I was like, felt the need, of course. You know, one of the big things is when you start to get into it with somebody is you're like, oh, they're misunderstanding me. So I'm going to make them understand me. And sometimes that's not possible. Like I ended up deleting everything. And I was like, dude, walk away from Facebook for a good long time. (laughs) So, you know, understand that those are the components. You don't always have to deescalate the situation. But again, if you find yourself in that place, lead with kindness. How did it go in? Did it activate a wound? Do you need to take a second away? If you feel shaky, if you feel unusually angry, unusually upset, it triggered a wound, check it out, dig a little deep, calm down before replying. If you're in an in-person situation, that's a really good time to say, time out, something's happening. And I feel like my like I'm getting really upset and I just, I would like to like chill. Vocal quality, make sure that your vocal quality is less than the person that the situation is escalating with. Acknowledgement, what does this person need to hear? But also acknowledge what do you need in this emotional transaction and then build a bridge. And always be willing to, if you don't care about the relationship, then just walk away. And that's, that's I think, the best. <laughs> Definitely the easiest. All right, you guys, as always, rock on. Thank you, thank you for your support. And we'll see you next time. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.